So let's move on um, to the next group of schools, and this is R.L. Brown, John Love, and Long Branch. Um, what factors were considered when you identified these three schools for a boundary change? So um, many of the same, all of the same factors that I spoke about earlier. Um, in particular, we're looking at three schools that are low performing, um, some of which have been more low performing or, or for a certain amount of years more so than others. These schools are all situated in the same neighborhood, um, and so they're linked to the same feeder pattern. Um, they are all underutilized, so when you look at building space, they're all significantly underutilized, and they're all in, in, in neighborhoods where there are fewer school-age children, um, so that even if all school-age children went to their neighborhood school associated with these three, you're still not in a scenario where it would be fully utilized. Um, coupled with that, all three uh, are, are situated to receive additional funding. So we are, quote-unquote, overfunding these schools with positions and support from the district level to improve student achievement. And so when you look at um, this from a broad view, you have three schools that are receiving an inordinate amount of resources but, same, but are facing the same challenges from an enrollment um, and performance point of view. So it's time to do things differently. Um, there's also these schools will face state, state sanctions or are about to state, uh, face state, state sanctions relatively soon. So the opportunity is to get ahead of that, um, transform these schools now so the community isn't asking us, why didn't you do something earlier to avoid this predicament regarding having to close the school and convert it to a charter school um, or to hire a private management company? to run the school. And so talk to us about what your original recommendation for these three schools is, uh, what the working group came in and recommended, and then your final recommendation. Sure. So my original recommendation was that John Love would uh, be transformed into an early learning center. Uh, Long Branch uh, would be a 3-6, uh, grades 3 to 6, um, and that Al Brown would be converted to a dedicated magnet um, focused on gifted and talented. Um, so the working group um, approved um, or accepted my recommendation with a couple of modifications. Uh, one, they wanted to see um, transportation provided up to a mile uh, rather than the, the, the standard um, um, the district standard of 1.5 miles. They also wanted John Love and Long Branch to be professional uh, development centers or laboratories. Um, and they also recommended that um, Susie Tolbert uh, be converted to a dedicated magnet as well. Um, and so roughly similar to mine, but with some additions that I thought were um, thoughtful um, and, and can be implemented. The other thing was that the working group uh, requested after-school um, support or programming and summer support for um, these schools as well. And I think that's certainly something that, that makes sense and, and, and would be part of the final recommendation and implementation plan for these schools. So if your proposal is approved, uh, describe how these boundary lines are going to change. Um, so if approved, uh, R.L. Brown would not have um, traditional boundaries or neighborhood boundaries. Uh, instead, those boundaries move to John Love and Long Branch, where the students that would be 
boundaried, if you will, to John Love at the K2 level or would be boundaried for R.L. Brown at the K2 level, now are boundaried for John Love. Um, those students from in grades three, four, and five that would go to R.L. Brown would now go to Long Branch. Um, and and so that really defines the boundary changes as far as these schools are concerned. Uh, the other thing that is noteworthy is are those students in grades three, four, and five that would be boundaried for John Love would now go to Long Branch, and those students that are boundaried in kindergarten, first, and second grade for Long Branch would go to John Love. Why do you believe a dedicated, gifted, and talented IB magnet would be successful at R.L. Brown, and what would be the requirements as far as getting into that program? Well, R.L. Brown is um, situated um, in Springfield, and uh, when I became superintendent a a couple of years ago, there was a demand um, uh, among um, parents in that area uh, to create a charter school at the elementary level, um, something beyond what the what public schools were offering, um, and and there's a continuing movement to possibly create a charter school in that area. Many parents in the area are traveling great distances to take their children to dedicated magnet schools. So so the vision. Um, is to actually recruit parents from the neighborhood to return or to um, enter public the public school system through a new dedicated, gifted, and talented program at R.R. Brown. In addition to that, R.R. Brown is, is positioned right by the highway exit. Um, so it's a great way or a great resource as far as trying to recruit parents outside of the boundary to take their children there as well. The last point is that when you look, look at gifted and talented programming um, at the elementary level, oftentimes you don't see them positioned in what is considered more of the urban core or in predominantly African-American communities. And so I also think this is an opportunity to um, build awareness um, and exposure of gifted programming in historically uh, what would be considered lower-performing feeder patterns or associated with neighborhoods that are lower income um, so that there's an access point and a greater awareness for that opportunity and so that we're more equitable with our distribution of gifted and talented programming so it's they're just not in middle-class or upper-middle-class um, uh, neighborhoods. Part of your recommendation is to put a early learning center at John Love. Explain to us what exactly a early learning center is and why John Love, John Love and the community around it would benefit from that. Absolutely. So um, the early learning center focus is about eliminating the, the achievement gap and narrow, or narrowing the achievement gap if we can't in- eliminate it uh, instantly. And, and, and research is clear that if we're able to engage children at young ages, they're more likely to be farther and farther behind based on socioeconomic factors. So the vision is to work with students at very young ages, starting at three-year-olds, uh, with three-year-olds, and, and to work with them in one building 
um, in, an, in, in a part of town where you have a high concentration of students that are below grade level, especially in reading. And, and the strategy um, coupled by and reaffirmed by research is that if we can work with children at young ages, build their skill level in literacy and also mathematics, that by the time they get to third grade where they start to uh, participate in state assessments, they will more likely to be at grade level. Um, someone would say, well, why don't you just do this in regular elementary schools now? And the reality is it's just the lift and the burden of trying to work with um, with an early learning focus, simultaneously trying to overcome the challenge of the accountability system. So what you often see in Title I schools, especially those that have been low performing, is you have two schools within one. And it's hard for the principal um, um, to, to monitor with fidelity, to problem solve, to, to support teachers in a deep, sophisticated way from kindergarten to fifth grade because their attention naturally focuses on grade grades three, four, and five, because that's where the school grade or the state accountability um, um, kicks in or is measured. This is also becomes a difficulty with recruiting teachers and retaining teachers in the primary areas, because um, you, when you have a dynamic teacher and you have a shortage of teachers that are, are, are dynamic and capable of raising student achievement, it's only natural to put them in grades three, four, and five, which then naturally leads to a scenario where you have um, a scenario where you have teachers that may be more underperforming or not as dynamic as those in grades three, four, and five. So you're never really catching children up and you're always playing the catch-up game. And so this is a way to finally attempt to get this right where you concentrate on early learning children are farther behind are not as far behind they they actually are catching up and making gains so that by the time they're in third grade they can perform at the same level that middle class and upper middle class children are performing and so you've answered the question about the benefits of having the pre-k through two separate what about the benefits of having a separate um three through six elementary school so, so that just it, – it's actually it, – it builds on the opposite of the early learning uh, center piece, if you will, or, or builds off of that. So if, if, if the early learning center um, is doing what it's supposed to be doing, which I think it will, then, then the work at, in grades 3, 4, and 5, and 6 become easier. Um, but at the same time, when you have that concentration of students that are below grade level – it becomes very difficult to move kids to grade level performance and, and to show a year's growth. So the work at the three, four, five level becomes more focused and concentrated on um, the performance of students as it relates to state assessments. Um, and, and it's really an issue of distribution of, of, of the lift when it comes to moving students to grade level and showing a, a, a year's worth of gains, um, it becomes very difficult to do both simultaneously. And this allows for that concentration of resources, professional development, um, additional support, and problem solving to happen in one building rather than trying to do both at two, which, which rarely, if ever, happens. So how would you describe an early learning center and how is that different from an elementary school that already has pre-K through two? Yeah, great question. Um, the early learning center um, is 
to start at a very young age engaging children with three-year-old programs. So right now in our district, we have two success by six programs, one at West Jacks Elementary and one at RV Daniels. Um, and so we are working with three-year-olds, at least in those two schools. This model would incorporate um, the three-year-old Head Start programs um, and concentrate them, three- and four-year-old Head Start programs in this particular building, John Love, um, and also move Title I pre-K programs, which are at John Love and their surrounding schools there as well. So the work would start with thir- three-year-olds moving into four-year-olds and then kindergarten, first, and second grade. What would also be unique about this school is we would retrofit the building um, to give it more of an early learning feel and texture. Um, So new furniture, um, uh, we already have an infrastructure of technology there, so that's there. Um, More designs linked to early learning throughout the building. Um, In addition to that, uh, we would have a partnership with Any Given Child, uh, which is a, a nonprofit here in Jacksonville, to train our core teachers and and our uh, uh, math, music and art teacher on how to incorporate music and art in the core areas of reading, math, and science, and how music and art teachers can incorporate more reading, math, and science in what they're doing. Um, in addition to that, uh, this would be a laboratory of early, of early learning. So as we train new kindergarten, first and second grade teachers, this would be our lab school to bring them. Um, future interns um, at the college level would be placed there as well. Um, in addition to that, we plan on partnering with Nemours. Uh, Nemours offers a curriculum called Bright Starts that we use at pre-K. Uh, we would use this in the pre-K and the kindergarten level as an intervention for our students. What would be different about this school as well is we would have a reading interventionist for kindergarten, first, and second grade at every grade level. So this interventionist would rotate among classrooms to work with students in smaller groups um, that are below grade level to, to catch them up. Uh, we would also have intergenerational partnerships with local uh, retirement homes to have um, our elderly come into this school, which would be great for them, but also for our children to work with uh, more elderly um, uh, citizens. And then lastly, part of the curriculum will focus on uh, uh, the a rainforest concept so that our kids are outside more. Um, uh, touching and and being a part of nature and connecting that to the curriculum. We will also be incorporating more themes linked to the curriculum. Um, So you have more activities uh, throughout the day and field trips directly linked to the curriculum. And all this is not only about going deeper with a group of children that at scale are below grade level, but it's also as a way to change practice across the district when we look at teaching children at the kindergarten, first and second grade level. Now, the last question on this topic, um, I think, is probably one of the most complicated. Um, are fifth graders going to be required to stay at uh, Long Branch as uh, to become sixth graders? Um, and then once they get done with sixth grade, then what middle school do they go to? 
Sure. So there's no boundary changes specifically linked to sixth grade. Sixth grade is considered an opt-in type of program, um, if you will, to parents. Uh, what we have seen is that with our K-6s, so we've, we, this, this past year we implemented sixth grade at Rutledge Pearson um, and at um, Pickett Elementary. And what we're finding at those two schools is that um, students perform at higher levels in reading and math if they stay in sixth grade at the elementary level as opposed to going to the middle school. So looking at the same type of kids in the boundary, um, they do better at staying at the sixth grade level. We, we saw this in Miami-Dade. We saw this in Long Beach, California with, with that type of strategy. Um, and so it, it's, it's sort of intuitive, I think, that, uh, that by staying in that building for a longer period of time, you just have a greater comfort level. Um, and there's something that is strong about the elementary culture that I think is more child-centric and um, less intimidating as it is from going from elementary to middle school. Um, and so that's something that we look to expand in other schools even beyond this. Um, but it would be an opt-in, not a required um, um, a sixth grade option for parents.